the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. I, I was, you know, I, I don't really enjoy, I'm going to be very honest with you, I don't really enjoy you know, reading in the Old Testament because it's, it's, it seems, you know, very, these very wordy, very heavy, kind of sometimes you could say very dry, you know, on and on and, and don't do this and do that and thou shalt and all this kind of stuff. You know, the, uh, uh, there are exciting things like David. I love reading the, you know, uh, Samuel and, uh, you know, those things where David was going out and him and his mighty men and they're fighting and, you know, that's very manly stuff. But there's this book called the book of Deuteronomy, right? Book of Deuteronomy, all right? No one ever says, hey, guess what? I'm in the book of Deuteronomy this month. You know, the Lord, the, God's just telling me to get into the book of Deuteronomy. Um, but I have been obedient, and I have felt like God has told me to read the book of Deuteronomy and the book of Leviticus, which, by the way, is they're really, really heavy books, and they're, they're really instructional books for God's people, the Israelites. But I caught some things, okay? I caught some things. God spoke to me even in those Old Testament books. God still speaks. His word, by the way, you guys, God's word is alive. God's word is living. And if he tells you to read in the book of Leviticus, by means you do it. If he tells you to read in Deuteronomy, you get up in there and you say, okay, God, what do you have for me? And this is what I saw. I saw over and over and over again, one of God's commands was to take care of the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. The stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. Now, that kind of spoke to me because, and I've shared, many of you know my personal story, but for those of you who don't, my parents, were, uh, my parents divorced when I was seven years old. By the time I was a teenager, uh, my mom, my brother, and I moved into the apartments across the street. And we were poor. We weren't, we weren't like out on the street, you know what I mean? We had, my mom worked very, very hard. My dad, you know, gave, gave us money like he was supposed to. So it wasn't like, you know, that I was without. But we were, de- we were definitely poor. You know, we definitely didn't get to do a lot of things uh, that, you know, my wife and I even do with our girls. I know what it's like to struggle. I know what it's like to kind of, you know, wonder what the next day is going to be like. And let me tell you something. It was because of people, and a lot of these people were from the church who reached out to us and said, let us help you. Let us, you know, let us come alongside of you. It is because of people, you know, despite all the negative things that come out of church, you know, I want to talk about the positive things. It was because of people in the church. It was because of the church that I am who I am today. It was because of, of other great men of God who came and saw something in me and said, Matthew, I see more in you than just, you know, some, uh, you know, kid who only uh, is being raised by his mom and, and, you know, who lives in a blue collar, co- you know, uh, blue collar community. I almost said blue collar comedy, uh, <laughs> which is a thing. But it was the church, you guys, and, and, and it was because uh, of the church that I am who I am. It is because of men and women who reached out and said, can we help you? Can we, you know, buy, I remember people buying our groceries before, and I was a kid, that didn't bother me. I was like, woohoo! But I know that was very humbling for my mom, you know, but there were people there. Uh, I had people come and pick me up for youth group and for church and said, you know what, Matthew, we're, we're not going to let you go without. We're going to come alongside of you. That's the church. 
That's what we're supposed to be doing. And what's funny is I found it all the way back in the book of Deuteronomy. It was actually one of God's commands. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. I do have some notes. If you're a note taker, I, I, I do have them on uh, the, the piece of paper, the, hand, you know, the handout that we, uh, we give you. If you would like one, just simply raise your hand and uh, we'll have somebody. Oh, we got a hand raised right here uh, and one, two right here. I don't know if, if Andy or someone could, or Joanna. Or Sheila. Thank you, Andy. Uh, we'll get you guys in those. But I want to talk about uh, our responsibility and I want to talk about the command of the Lord. We're first going to look in the book of Exodus uh, 22, but I want to talk about this. So, okay, go ahead and slip up your hand. Andy's coming around uh, for you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to talk first about the social responsibility. The social responsibility. And what I mean is not necessarily the individual responsibility, but the, the, but the responsibility that we have together, the, the responsibility we have as the church, as we have of God's people, something that we need to link up arm in arm with and say, hey, you know, this doesn't just need to be one person's burden. This needs to be the burden of the church. So number one, the social responsibility. I, I want to look in the book of Exodus uh, chapter 22 uh, two verses, 21 and 22. I'll read it to you. You shall neither mistreat a stranger nor oppress him, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If you afflict them in any way and they cry at all to me, I will surely hear their cry and my wrath will become hot and I will kill you with the sword. Your wives shall be widows and your children fatherless. This is a strong verse to, that God is giving his people in the book of Exodus. You know, and, and, and if I can kind of put it in the timeline, this is the time that they have been freed from Egypt. God's people are coming out of Egypt and, and Moses is leading them to the promised land. And God has given them some rules. God has given them some commands. Listen, do these things. And it's interesting that, he's, he, that he doesn't say, hey, you guys have been through enough, so why don't you just become isolated? Why don't you just protect yourselves? And why don't you just look out for yourselves because of all that you've gone through? He doesn't say that. He says, in fact, to really to these former slaves, he tells them, listen, I've got a command for you. You know what it feels like, so I need you to go out and take care of the widow, of the fatherless, and of the stranger, of one who is not like you. A social responsibility, something that God commanded his entire people to, the essence of the law. So now we're in Deuteronomy. Now we're in Deut Deuteronomy 10, 17 through 19. says this. For the Lord your God is, is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. Therefore, love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was. When Jesus was walking the earth, they, they, you know, they, they were always trying to catch Jesus on something. They were, they were always trying to find out what he stood for, who he was. And so they challenged him. 
The, the, the God's own people challenged him and they said, what's the greatest commandment? You know, out of all the commandments, what's the greatest one? And Jesus has an amazing answer. And in fact, he even quotes the Old Testament. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he said, and then the second is just as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Because it's not about you. And by the way, Jesus says, if you do these things, really, you can uphold every single law, every single command out there. If you are loving the Lord your God and serving him only, and if you are loving your neighbor as yourself, then every other command and every other law out there, you know, it will be very easy for you to follow. I always like to know the origin of things and, you know, where things come from. The why. why. Why do we do that? Or why do we say that? Or where does, where does that word come from? But the origin of the law or the, or the basis for all other laws is that. That's it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Can I be honest and real for a minute? It is very easy for us in the church to get a little bit pompous. I'm just being real, all right? And I'm, I, I, I have, you know, erred in this myself. We kind of get together and we got our little group. Hey, it's just us. I like this. I like this group, all right? Hey, let's not let anybody else get in, in the middle of this because I like what we've got going here, right? That's kind of become a mentality. You know, the church, I have seen this happen, and I, I, you know, I've seen it even in our own denomination, so I'm not trying to point fingers. And by the way, if we're not careful, it can happen here, but we'll become a club, We'll become a group and say, hey, we just like this group. We only like the people that are here, and let's just keep it that way. But that is not what God commanded us to do. Shame on us. Shame on the church. We need to not have that mentality. And I'm asking you guys, City Church, I'm asking you, as you partner along with what we're doing in the ministry here, that we would never, ever, ever take on that mentality that every single person that walks in through that door is greeted and loved on and told that, that we care about them, that we pray for them, that we do everything that we can to let them know that God loves them and that they are welcome into the kingdom of God. Amen? Let's not forget that love is sacrificial. Okay, I hear the word love being thrown around a lot lately, but to be honest with you, I'm not seeing a lot of it. Love, love should be seen, not just heard. I hear a lot of people saying, oh, I love, I love you, I love this, oh, I love that, you know, I love, I love, I love. But the problem is, is I'm not seeing love. What I'm seeing is a lot of anger and a lot of hatred and a lot of, you know, pointing fingers and a lot of everybody taking sides and drawing lines and things like that. That is not love. Yet everybody is, you know, is kind of doing it. What is love, you guys? Love is sacrificial. You know what love says? It's not about me. It's not about my feelings. It's not about, you know, it's not about me. Love says it's about you. How can I serve you? That's what Jesus did. Jesus came to this earth, what does it say? Not to be served, but to serve. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Son of God, came not to serve, not to be, sorry, not to be served, but to serve. That is how we need to be, you guys. We need to constantly be saying, 
How can I love? Because love is an action. It's not a feeling. Love is a choice. It's not an emotion. Amen? Number three. Number three, blessed to be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing. See, God wants to bless you, not so that you can become kind of like a hoarder and say, look how blessed I am. God wants to bless you so that you will in turn bless the people around you. And as you bless the people around you, God will continue to bless you. It'll be like this reciprocal, you know, kind of thing happening that the more you give, the more God will continue to give to you. Wow, look at this guy. He gives it away. Well, I'm going to keep giving him more. I love this saying, you can't outgive God. You know, put it, you know, try it. You know, see what happens when you step out in faith and and you be obedient to what God says. He always comes in and says, hey, I can bless you way more than you can bless anybody. (coughs) Blessed to be a blessing is Deuteronomy chapter 14, 28 and 29. It says this. At the end of every third year, you shall bring out the tithe of your produce of that year, store it up within your gates. And the Levite... Because he has no portion or no inheritance with you. And the stranger, there it is again. And the fatherless, there it is again. And the widow who are within your gates may come and eat and be satisfied that the Lord your God may bless you and all the work of your hands which you do. So here's the picture, all right? You're a farmer, right? You're a farmer and you're farming and you're you're collecting. And what what God is commanding is, listen, take a portion of that, 10% of, of your crops, and put it aside. That is going to be for a feast. And that is going to be when you bring everybody, everybody in, and there will be enough. There will be enough for the, the widow. There will be enough for the fatherless. There will be enough for the stranger. And it even throws in the Levite, you know, the priest, you know, because he, you know, he's just serving the Lord. There will be enough for everybody. But see, there's, there's this trust, though, that we all kind of get the check. Well, God, what if I don't have enough for myself? But do you hear what you're saying? You're telling the God of the universe, the creator of all, I may not have enough for myself? Because what he'll turn around and say to you is, try me. Try me. Who blessed you in the first place? You don't think I can't bless you more or bless you again? God wants to bless you to be a blessing. Do you understand? God wants to bless you to be a blessing, not so that we'll just store up treasures for ourselves here. It's not what it's about. Deuteronomy 26, 12 through 13. When you have finished laying aside all the tithe of your increase in the third year, the, the year of tithing, you have given it to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat within your gates and be filled. And then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe from my house and also have given them to the Levite, the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow, according, according to, here it is, according to all your commands, which you have commanded me. I have not transgressed your commands, nor have I forgotten them. Listen, you guys, if you're not catching what I'm saying, it's not a suggestion. It is a command of the Lord. It is a command of the Lord that we do not hoard. It is a command of the Lord that when we see somebody in need, that we help take care of that need. It is a command of the Lord that we should take it on as the church, a burden of the church that we should say, we are not going to let that happen in our community. That we are not going to let that happen in our community. 
Our Father wants us to enjoy what he has blessed us with, but he also wants us to be a blessing, to be a blessing. Generosity, number four, generosity, Deuteronomy 16, 11. For the poor will never cease from the land. Did you hear that? The poor will never cease, you guys. It's never going to go away, okay? Because it is just part of the sin in the world. Therefore, I command you saying, you shall open up your hand wide to your brother, to your poor and your needy in your land. You guys give generously. Be a generous giver. Number five, the opposite of hoarding. The opposite of hoarding. Deuteronomy 24, 19 through uh, 22. When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. Uh, It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over through the the bows again. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not glean it afterward. That means you don't go a, a second time. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. And you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this thing. Do you guys remember the story of uh, Ruth? There's a story uh, in, the, in uh, the Old Testament of Ruth. And there's uh, a man named Boaz. And Boaz, uh, he's doing that exact thing. He's actually uh, obeying the command of the Lord. And Boaz is, you know, the, he's got them all collecting uh, crops. And what they're allowed to do and, uh, is the, the widows, uh, the, you know, the fatherless and the, you know, the strangers out there, once, every, uh, once uh, Boaz's men go through and start reaping the crops, whatever is left, whatever is fallen, or whatever they've missed, then that is when the fatherless, the widow, and the stranger can come right behind, and they can pick up for themselves. It's theirs. And Boaz, because Boaz kept that command, because of that, Ruth, who we all know Ruth, you know, from the Old Testament, because of that, Ruth was taken care of through God, through his people, through a command of the Lord, Ruth. And then we all know the story, Ruth meets Boaz, and Ruth ends up marrying Boaz. But we don't catch that, that Boaz was obeying the command of the Lord, and people were being blessed by him, being blessed by his crops. I love that story. It's actually a very, very beautiful story. If you ever get a chance to go back and read uh, the story of Ruth and Boaz. Number six, God's wrath. Deuteronomy 27, 19 says this. This is a scary one. Cursed is the one who perverts the justice due the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. And all the people shall say, amen. I'll just move right along. Number seven, God's character. Let's talk about the actual character of God. Psalms 68.5 says, He is a father of the fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy habitation. Psalms 146.9 says, The Lord watches over the strangers. He relieves the fatherless and widow. But the way of the wicked, he turns upside down. You are made in the very image of God. You are made in God's image. And if it's in his very character to defend the widow, to defend the the foreigner, to defend the fatherless, then isn't that part of us? 
By the way, has anybody ever served like, you know, done something like that before? Why is it that you walk away feeling good? Because you are fulfilling a commandment of the Lord. You, by the way, the world does this. And the world walks away and they feel good about themselves and they don't even realize why. They don't even realize it's because they are actually fulfilling a command of God. They're actually doing something that is in his very nature and it is in our very nature when we really stop and think about it. It's part of us. It's in our DNA. That is why when you go out and you do serve, you walk away and you thought, man, I feel really, really good. And I, I didn't do nothing. I've, I've served on the mission field. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, every single time I thought I was going out because I was going to do something good. You know, I was going to go out and help. I was going to go out and serve. I was going to go out and teach. I was going to do whatever. Every single time I've come back, I have been way more blessed than I felt like I was ever a blessing. I almost figured like, wow, God, was that for me? No, you're simply in my command. You're simply doing what I've called you to do, Matthew, and because of that, you feel fulfilled. Do you see where I'm going with this? Do you understand that this isn't just a suggestion? This isn't just something that, hey, you guys, let's kind of rally and let's go do something good. You know, that's not what it's about. Let, no, let us be obedient to God's command. Let us be obedient to God's command. Number eight. Here's some words of exhortation. Isaiah 1.17 says, Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. Zechariah 7.10 says, Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the alien or the poor. Let none of you plan evil in his heart against his brother. You guys, this is why City Church in Buena Park exists. This is why we are here. First, to share the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ came to save everyone. That anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus Christ will be saved. That's what we've come to say. But here's the thing. We need to go out and do. We need them to see our love. We can say it. We can, I can stand out here from the doorway and shout over to the apartment and say, we love you. That means nothing to them. That means nothing to them until they see it. You see, Jesus, when he walked this earth, he was constantly ministering to those in need. Constantly feeding, you know, the hungry, laying hands on the sick. He was out there. They saw his love. They didn't just hear about it. They saw it. They saw his love. You guys... I stand up here not because I heard about Jesus' love. I've experienced it. And you know mainly who it was through? The church. It was mainly through people who, who were Jesus in the flesh to me, who encouraged me, who helped me, who've, who've paid for a meal for me, who, you know, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be something big. I want to read this last verse to you. Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission, starting in verse 16. This is for all of us, all of us, the church. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him. But some, some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, 
Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Have the worship team back up here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for your love for us, your patience, your grace, your mercy upon us. But Lord, may we follow your commands. May we not take them as suggestions. May we do what the word of God says to do. Because, Father, there is a hurting There is a broken, there is a dark world out there, and it desperately needs the light. But Father, they will not see unless we bring it to them. Unless we bring it to them, Father, help us. I want to just kind of switch gears for just a little bit, and I I do want to take an opportunity just for us to be ministered to here for a moment. But I want to ask you a question, a very, very important question. If you would say, I I want to know this Jesus you're talking about. I want to follow this God that you follow, Pastor Matthew. I want to serve (laughs) this kind of God. I want to be a part of this kind of church. And you have never, ever asked Jesus Christ into your life. And you would like to do that this morning. You would like to just say, you know what? Today's the day. Today's the day that I invite Jesus into my life. See, the word of God says this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. It's only belief. There's nothing you have to do. It's not about how good of a person you are. Because the Bible says all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. But there is only one who can forgive us our sins. And that is Jesus Christ. That is Jesus our Lord. And if you would say, you know what? I want my sins forgiven. I want a new life. I want a new start. I want to follow this God. Will you just simply raise your hand just so that I can say thank you? Will you just simply slip up your hand just so that I can be praying for you? Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Today's the day. Today's the day. No longer. No longer am I going to hide my gifts and my talents. No longer am I going to let the world beat me up. No longer am I going to live under the weight of my own sin and shame and guilt. If that's you this morning, just raise your hand. Say, this morning I declare Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior, and I want him to come into my life and forgive me of my sins. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. 